Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today, and your Wednesday is about to get better. Uh, this is always one of my favorite interviews uh, when we can get our good friend Jenny Howe to join us. Uh, Jenny Howe has a, a master's degree in psychology. She has spent years specializing in treating uh, adolescent anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and it's just such a tremendous resource on uh, anything re- relating to anxiety, depression, stress, all of those different things. Uh, and she always just brings uh, a great perspective and some great insight to us. So, Jenny, thanks for thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Nice to hear your voice. We're, we're going to have to give you like an official title. Like we're going to make you a, <laughs> like a czar of our mental wellness of the show or something. Well, I'll, I'll work on that before next time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I expect it next time. Uh, well, obviously, as we look, there's been a, a lot of attention uh, lately focused on our students and the the stress mm-hmm. that they're under, the anxiety they're experiencing as we are now one year into this pandemic And I know you've been watching this closely, following it closely. I know there's not a lot of great data out there yet, uh, but what are you seeing? And more importantly, because I really trust you, what are you sensing out there? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked this question because I think that there is a lot of fear surrounding what this pandemic is doing to all of us, but especially our kids, right? Because they're living in, in this unforeseeable time for, you know, such a crucial time in their lives. And so I think what the research is really saying, and again, just like you said, it's really preliminary at this point, because we just don't have a lot of data to compare it to. There hasn't been another pandemic in many, many years. So, so it's hard to kind of have that causality here. But what we're seeing is a real direct correlation between stress and fatigue, especially, you know, the Today Show did a segment today on Zoom fatigue, but kind of technology fatigue, and our students and our adolescents, and also those of us who are working from home on our computers all the time. And that's kind of across the board. We're seeing that with everybody. But what we are seeing is that a lot of people are doing okay. And I know that that sounds a little contradictory to what we hear often in the media, and um, but it's, it's important to kind of point out why some people are doing okay and then also talk about the population of people that aren't doing okay, that this pandemic has really triggered some serious mental health issues for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the interesting, I love the framing between the difference between stress and fatigue, and I want to drill down on that just a little bit. Uh, and, maybe mm-hmm. let's, and maybe let's start from that positive uh, framing of those who are being really resilient in this space, those people who are still thriving, what are, what are we seeing there? What are some of the things that are enabling those uh, folks to get past or the difference between stress and fatigue? You know, it's interesting. I, I was reading through some studies this morning, trying to kind of 
refresh and see who had done the work so far kind of relating to this pandemic. And there was one real common factor. And these studies were, there was one that was a large, pretty large scale study in the United States. And then there were some um, globally as well that seemed to really match what we found in the United States. But they're seeing that hope, the personality trait of hope (laughs) is the one common denominator denominator, I guess, that really is kind of allowing people the opportunity to be resilient and show success through this pandemic. And I loved that. Hope is one of my favorite words. But I think, you know, it's important to kind of define how they defined it. And hope is really defined as a resilience, but also this kind of emotional control that happens regardless of our external circumstances. So in psychology, we call that an internal locus of control. Like, okay, things around me might be really crappy, but I know that I'm kind of in charge of making the best of whatever is happening right now. And feeling like people are in control is, is a really hopeful state. That's honestly the whole goal of therapy is to give people the idea that they have emotional control and they get to dictate what their lives look like. And so that is a common a common denominator that the research is beginning to show is is popping up for a lot of people. Uh, that's uh, that's such an important thing. Uh, I, I was talking earlier in the show in the uh, sometimes my life is weird segment. Uh, that I, <laughs> I ended up on a news a cable news network yesterday, uh, but ended up uh-huh. talking about Tiger Woods and you know yeah. what happened, what's going on next. Uh, but yeah. at, at, at one point uh, they were asking about his you know how will he come back from you know having uh, you know things in his legs and screws and and all of that and uh, and so I actually went yeah. to the, a very similar place that you're talking about, Jenny. That one of the things that made him an extraordinary golfer was his ability mm-hmm. to be absolutely present. To every shot, yeah. that he wasn't looking back, nor was he projecting forward. And I and I think uh, we, we had a doctor on who uh, had dealt with people coming back through really traumatic injuries, mm-hmm. and and he said the key to rehab was that ability to be present. Because mm-hmm. if you project it forward, you get really discouraged and and often give up. Uh, how do you see yeah. that as it relates to our young people in particular and to to dealing uh, with the the challenges, the fatigue uh, of of the pandemic? Yeah, you know, I think I think hope is really a, a trait that we can model for the young people in our homes. I think when we bring this, um, you know, perspective of hope or just kind of this value of hope into our homes and our families, our kids are going to feel that, you know. It is important to note, though, that there are some of us that have, you know, the genetic wiring that kind of predisposes us to be a little bit more hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, to struggle with that catastrophic kind of projected future thinking that you're referring to, the anxiety and depression and ends of the spectrum there. And for those that, that population, they have to work really hard to instill hope. It's possible. Hope is always possible. That's something that nobody can take away from us. But they have to work a little bit harder. And so the population that has ready access to hope, the stress fatigue population, it's really important to kind of understand the present tense living is huge, right? We talk about that all the time on the show, but it's really important to kind of center yourself with this idea of, okay, I am going to accept the fact that this is a really crappy situation, or I'm going to accept the fact that things didn't turn out the way that they liked. But what can I do in this moment Or what can I do today, one day at a time, right? What can I do today to create the best day that I have? You know, I may not get the graduation I want. I may not have the party that I was looking forward to. But what can I do instead? And refocusing control and making, you know, as cliche as it sounds, the best out of something that's kind of crappy is a trait that we can master. It's a skill we can develop. It's something that 
we have to practice just like Tiger Woods practices his swing and stays in the present moment for years and years and years. We can practice it as well by really kind of regrouping and focusing on the day. Yeah, that's right. And, and really getting to that question that the, the only question life really asks of us is, is how are we going to respond to whatever just Absolutely. happened, good, good or bad? Uh, Jenny, we've got mm-hmm. just about a minute left, but I wanted to, to get to okay. this. And you started to allude to it that uh, there are some people mm-hmm. who are disproportionately impacted by this, both some yeah. that just are, are wired different, a, a little different for that. But also you have mm-hmm. the underprivileged, the lonely the isolated, the people homeschooling. Uh, give us a, a quick uh, look in there and what can, how we can be helpful in, uh, for those folks. Yeah, you know, it, the research is really showing us, and this is going to come to no surprise, that the underprivileged population, people of color, people that are of lower, lower economic status, I can never say that correctly, um, those people are really struggling right now because hope is a little bit more difficult to find in those circumstances. It's a little bit easier for those of us, you know, with privilege and access to be able to find hope when find things and make the best out of something. But if you're in that population, it, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Um, it's also really, really difficult, again, not surprisingly, for healthcare workers and for the parents inside the home who are pulling double duty, right. um, you know, working at home and also homeschooling kids. I know in Utah, most of our kids are in school, but that's not the case globally. And that's not the case. I have a large population of clients in California. They're all still home. These kids have been home a year. And so the parents and kids are just, they're stressed out and they're fatigued and they need a break from each other and a break from the circumstances. And and that can be really hard. Again, it doesn't mean it's clinical anxiety or depression. It just means that it's okay to accept the fact that this is really hard and stressful. But that population is, is, you know, higher right now in, in terms of struggling, understandably so. For sure. Uh, great insight as always. Anyhow, uh, when you come back next time, I will have a new title for you uh, <laughs> and, and maybe a hat and a T-shirt that goes with that. So, uh, okay. <laughs> always appreciate your hopeful perspective in, in terms of how we're dealing with our mental health. Thanks so much. Thanks, boy. All right. We'll go ahead and step aside for a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to dive down just a little bit dif- deeper into the Utah's distinct advantage in the world. Find out what it is, what Robert Putnam thinks it is next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.